<laughs> so good. All right, everybody. We are live and we've got another episode of Lifestyle Medicine. And today we have Christine Tran, who is a yoga therapist and Reiki master. So Christine, you and I connected um, a while back just talking about getting you on the show and getting you, you know, to talk about the things that you're doing. And before we jump into all of that good stuff, can you give the audience a little background, just how you got into, into yoga, how you got into what you're doing? Sure. Um, it's been a long journey. Uh, I've been doing this over a decade, practicing and teaching yoga. Um, but what I first got into yoga is actually, um, from our mutual friend, Deanna, mm -hmm. <laughs> who introduced me to yoga um, when I was running a lot. I was um, I used to run track in high school, and so I carried that practice over after graduating and, and kept running. But um, over the years, I kept getting injuries, and it came to a point I was you know, in my early 20s, and I think my shins were just shot <laughs> after yeah. running without really taking care of um, my body. Yep. And I needed an alternative to kind of keep, you know, keep my physical health. And she's, Deanna suggested yoga. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I tried it once and I hated it. And I thought it was so boring. <laughs> and she introduced me to a studio in Washington, D.C., where I lived at that time. Um, and that was it. I, it was just that one teacher wow. that um, I connected with and that was the most magical practice I've ever had in my life, doing anything like health-wise. Yeah. Um, and it was some—it was beyond the physical, but I didn't know it at that time. Yep. Um, so I only touched in that to that one layer of yoga, but that was it. That just transformed me from, you know, trying to beat my body up through running, and and now here I am doing mindfulness practice and living that lifestyle. Yeah. So thank you, Deanna. <laughs> <laughs> if she's listening, right? Shout out to Deanna. <laughs> And she, I know she had, she had found a background in, um, she didn't have a background in yoga either technically. And I know it was something that kind of like she started to pursue and I'm not fully sure what got her into it, but was she taking like her teacher training at the time when you crossed paths and wanted to do yoga? Do you know if it was around um, that time? That's a good question. It's, it's funny. I, she introduced me, but I, I started the teacher training oh, um, funny. and then it was years later so recently, I think in the past years, when she finished teacher training. Oh, how so cool. It, wow. it, it, that's how our life work. It's always been like that. It's, you know, some kind of, you know, we're always on the, the same parallel. We have parallel lives, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she and she <laughs> so and she and her, uh, or I should say, Paul, uh, Paul, her husband and I have that same relationship. We have this weird oppositional parallel that we kind of dance back and forth between. So that's, yeah. that's kind of cool. That's very cool. <laughs> I call Paul my man wife. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so with your, with your yoga background. Okay. And so that you got into this and it sounds like injury was, um, or continual perpetual injury was sort of the impetus that got you moving down this road to look at the body differently and to, to repair some things, or at least to, to tend to your body in a different way than you had been in the past. And as you got into the yoga process, can you talk a little bit about what happened with your body? Because I think um, this kind of pushes us into the thing you were talking about. Uh, you'd mentioned to me the difference between yoga practice and yoga therapy. And I know that's, mm -hmm. you know, yoga therapy is what you're doing. So can you talk a little bit about the therapy aspect of yoga and like what you saw in your body and just that process? Because I think that's the, 
the biggest link for a lot of people is that when they think of this as not just exercise, but as therapy, that's a pretty cool door for people to walk through. Yeah. Um, with me, at least in my personal journey, um, the yoga started, you know, in the physical practice and it felt great. And I was just learning about what I can do with my body. Um, and that it's actually a tool to heal and, instead of the other way around where, you know, you're pushing your body so you can feel good, it's actually starting from the inside. And so with through yoga, the physical practice of yoga, that helped me touch into my own internal, like, thought process, because um, it's basically creating a space for you to be in the present, which means you have to listen to all your mind stuff. Right. And it's not about shutting the mind down. What I realized is, that's the therapy side. It's not about pushing anything away and um, things that you don't want to be listening to in your mind. It's about being with it. And so the physical practice gets you to be in such a still place that you're able to sit with the mind. And there's techniques to help you, whether it's through breathing, which is the most therapeutic part that I gain from the yoga practice, Mm -hmm. is settling the nervous system, calming the brain, in a way that you can sit with the thoughts without feeling negative about it. But uh-huh. that takes you know practice and it comes and goes every day depending on what's going on sure. in your life. Um, so the therapeutic aspect comes from that, yes, the physical body feels good, um, all the kinks and tensions go away, but then as I approached into more of my stories and the patterns I have mentally, that's where it starts to, um, unfolds throughout the years where I start to see all these patterns that weren't serving me. So it kind of ties back to my running injuries. I had a pattern of like many of us, you know, we keep pushing ourselves because we're like, we can, we can do this. This is how we operate. And it came to a point where I couldn't operate that way anymore. Whether it was through my job, I was working like 24 seven on call Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to be, but I, I did that because that was like an outlet of that's the only way I knew how to cope with stress. Yeah. Um, so even in my yoga practice, I got injured so many times. I know it sounds counter um, what yoga would do, mm-hmm. but it's true. A lot of people get injured in yoga. It's because of the way we approach yoga. And yes, it's supposed to be therapeutic, but it doesn't matter what kind of therapeutic practices you you do. It's how you do it. It's your intention. And so throughout the years, I've noticed like, yay, I'm doing yoga, I'm so like at peace and calm, but then I'm like, why am I getting injured? It's because I never really connected with like my body in the way that it's for healing. Mm-hmm. It was just more like, oh, I gotta fix this. Oh, my back hurts now. So let me like fix this and that. And it was always yep. covering the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And you know, like with your um, practice in Chinese medicine, it's you see that in your clients, right? It's like yep. perpetual, habitual injuries at the probably the same place. And you're like, start to think about, hmm, I wonder why that is. So through all my injuries, I've learned to not just modify the practice for myself, but I went deeper into yoga therapy, which taught me mm-hmm. in a more comprehensive way of looking at my health beyond just the physical body, but more of my mental state and right. the way I deal with stress. So because that that looks the same everywhere, whether in your yoga mat, whether you're dealing with your your partner, your yep. relationship at work. Agreed. So that's why yoga therapy was such a powerful way for me to help me, you know, go through my challenges in my life and um, why I ventured off and studied yoga therapy 
beyond you know the regular yoga that you, traditional yoga that you see sure um, studios those are great that's how I got into it mm-hmm. but if I was ready at that point in my life where yoga therapy was something I wanted I need to go deeper um, yeah. for my own health for my own sanity and I didn't think about teaching yoga or yoga therapy and it just kind of happened after each training I was like I'm doing this for myself and then you know yeah. as I'm like I want to learn more and seeing the power of it how it transformed myself it just naturally led to sharing it with others yep um, so I don't know if that that's kind of a long-winded answer <laughs> no no not at all no I mean there's a lot in there and I think when you ask these kinds of questions of people they are um, expansive there it's a it is a big answer because usually there's lots of moving parts to this kind of stuff as we find our way and navigate this kind of terrain and I had a couple of thoughts on what you said you mentioned the habitual injury part. And when you started to see this in people, right? And in yourself, the habitual injuries that we get. And just to add to that and to reflect back to that is that what I found too is that the injuries aren't always physical. The habitual emotional Mm -hmm. bullshit that we engage, whether that's poor eating habits, whether that's uh, too, too much work or choosing the wrong partner or whatever the thing is, we get stuck into these habitual injuries that can be energetic, they can be emotional. Mm-hmm. And people really, myself included, that's I have to navigate that terrain consistently. Like, am I choosing something that's going to be medicinal and good for me? Or am I just going back to the default pattern of what's easy and what's familiar? Because that's very easy to go back into the habits and the, the proclivities that we have that are just like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's easy. It's not it's not particularly hard because a lot of the things that require change usually are, you know, on the grittier side and require a little more oomph to get Absolutely. through. And the other thing, um, when you talked about the, the, the intention piece, you said you hadn't really connected to your body in a way that was doing something that was healing, but you said your intent changed too, like how, how you're actually approaching it. And one of the cool things that that I that triggered a memory for me was my first martial art instructor had had me go through this exercise because we were talking about he was talking about how health relates to martial arts and at the when I at the time I was very confused by that because for me at the time the way I was thinking about it martial arts was about kicking ass and taking names it's a self defense <laughs> breaking damage kind of thing and which is true I mean on one spectrum for sure and I said so how does that <laughs> relate to health. <laughs> And he said, well, what you just said, he said, if you, your intention as you move, speed, um, body posture, you can augment these movements to be more therapeutic to your body and not about destruction. Mm-hmm. And that sounded like theory at the time. I thought, okay, but that's, that's a beautiful philosophy, but what does that mean? <laughs> and then he demonstrated the form. He had, he picked one of like the, one of the most beginning forms that mm-hmm. we learn and he de- he demonstrated it martially the first time, which was very high speed explosive with precision. And I mean, he had a completely different look in his eye. And then he did the form a second time, which was slower, but still quick, but had, you could just see that he was taking his time through the motions and exploring the therapeutic range of motion as opposed to just kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. So it was really cool to see that you can turn the volume up or down on these things through your intent. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? with the thing you're doing and how do you change that depending on what you need. And I think that's Absolutely. the, that's the range that I think is really cool for people. And what I like about what you're doing and that I think is a good larger conversation to have is that you've got yoga, which can be a physical practice, but then you've got this volume or this dimmer switch where you can, you can range it. Like, what do I need out of it? You know, and, and how is it going to change? Right. How is it going to change the practice? How's it going to look different? 
Yeah, and I think that's where, as a teacher, I, I love sharing this practice because there's so much depth in it. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond this, the physical, depending on what the person, if I'm working with an individual, depending on what they need at that time, like you said, you know, you can yep. choose just the physical. I can choose, like, I can go deeper. Like, for me, yoga, at the end of the day, is a spiritual practice. Yep. Yoga is, secu- is secular. It's not religious. Um, but it is, it's, y- yoga is union. That's what it is. It's yep. uniting with your higher self, something higher than you than yourself, the divine, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So for me, that intention has always been, yes, I have intention of taking care of myself through, to say like, I need to find some better breathing so I can calm my nervous system today, or I need some energy. So I find a different breathing practice, but that still is just surface level for me. Like, yes, this is how I operate and keep my life going in a healthy way. But deep down, it's that deeper connection that keeps me going is with the spiritual practice. Um, and that was the way I was taught or the teachers that, that I met, um, who have taught me to, to do the yoga practice. And I think that's, that was it. That first day when I found that teacher, um, that Deanna introduced me to, it wasn't the, it was that thing that I couldn't understand. I was like, I know it's beyond the physical, but I don't know what it is. It took me years to really cultivate that practice. And it's very subtle. It's super subtle. So that's what, that's how I wake up every day. That's the thing that keeps me going. Yeah. <laughs> that connection, you know, and it, everyone has it differently, you know. Ag- agreed fully. Different. Yeah. People do have it differently. And I think what, what's interesting about what you just said, which I think is true for a lot of people is that it is hard to put a finger on it because we're not always naturally sensitive to it and to develop that sensitivity to what, what am I actually feeling? What, what's actually happening? you know, what's the, what's, what's the undercurrent of what I'm feeling. And if you're new to it, yeah, like you said, it's beyond the physical. So what am I feeling? And if it's foreign like that, you just don't really know. I mean, that's people are, they're just, it's a completely new uh, playing field for people to step onto when they feel these things. And I think that's where I've seen this in, I've seen it in, you know, I have a background, as you know, you know, in acupuncture, herbs, uh, body work, uh, lifestyle guidance, like all of these things. And I see this consistent thread where people will have an experience with something with, with a, Mm. a living lineage like Ayurveda or Chinese medicine. And because it's so foreign, they're just not lost. Loss is the wrong word, but it's, it's a completely new, it's like seeing a color you've never seen before. How do you describe it? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, this isn't a color. That's a good, yeah. Yeah. It's like, how do I describe that color? I've never seen that color. And you know, like what would a color you've never seen look like? So I think that's kind of um, the spot that people find them in. And I think it's really nice. Thank God, right? That there are teachers, people that are doing what you're doing mm-hmm. that are kind of orienting themselves in a way that's going to help people maybe shorten that process or give them the tools that are going to make them more sensitive earlier in their process. Yeah. That's really absolutely. critical, I think. And I was fortunate enough to to find those teachers when I was in Washington, DC. Yeah. Um, but they always say, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will come Yes, like in any practice. So 100%. I know it's cliche, but I was like, yep. No, <laughs> it's, I don't, I mean, technically, yes, it's cliche, but it's fucking true. Like it's true. so yeah. true. My mom has been saying that to me for years and you know, I used to roll my eyes like, uh-huh. Yeah, I know mom. Yeah. And, but she's right. Like it happens. It's happened so many times in my life and it's sort of a, it's been a bitter pill to swallow. Cause I think like that, that shouldn't technically be true, I guess, because it's cliche, but damn it, it is. And, you know, it's like, that's just the way it goes. She's absolutely right. And, um, you know, when you, 
when you started doing this, the yoga therapy and you started working with people and you started um, walking this path more consistently with people and, and getting to see the gamut of what people go through and what they're experiencing, you had mentioned, you know, in our call prior to this, you had talked about the whole notion of self-care and what that what that means, what that entails. And when I talked to you originally, I said, you know, that's a buzzword. Absolutely. Nowadays, self-care, right? It's such, it's like trendy almost like self-care, self-care. And I think we should always sort of give that context that it is a buzzword. It is trendy right now. There's a lot of people um, attempting to capitalize on it. Some people are doing it well, some people not well. But in your estimation, when you talk about self-care, how do you break that down to the layperson who's, who say isn't a yoga person, isn't plugged into the, mm-hmm. the notion or idea? What's sort of your loose definition to that? I think self-care is, is giving yourself the time and space to do whatever it is that will nourish you. So nourish you physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, if you know, you're more spiritual, then yeah, connected with that spirituality. Mm-hmm. So it, it can look very different for everyone and it can be defined differently. So I always, I always say it's just the time and space for nourishment mm-hmm. and it's going, going back to like self-love. Like mm-hmm. do you value yourself enough to give yourself that time and space and making decision to create that time and space for yourself? Um, and it's self-care for the sake, sake of self-care is what mm-hmm. I always say. It's not so I can – okay, let me go and rest so I can go take care of someone else. So I have the energy yeah. to, to do something else for someone else. Right, it's, right. And that's where we fall into the trap of self-care. We kind of think of it, that buzzword as, oh, I go go to the spa and pamper myself. That's great. That is part of it. But that's more on the, more on the I guess, surface level, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and it still c- goes back to that same pattern, your thought process, like, what is your intention? Is your intention so that you can fuel up and help someone else? Or is it to fuel up because you need it simply right. as that? There's not because of this and that. It's just, mm-hmm. it just needs to get done. It's like brushing your teeth, you know? Yeah. You just brush your teeth because you know you have to. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that's, that's ultimately self-care. It's not what you do at all. It's, it's, it's either how you're, it's mostly how you're doing your thing, like your day to day, um, activities less about like what you're doing um so i think that the the cliche and this whole fad about self-care is like oh it has to be so glamorous it has to look a certain way Mm -hmm. and every time great it's so funny like every time i talk to someone about self-care they're like oh that means i should do this i should i'm like no then you're falling back into that that same pattern like why should you do something it's just you just do it that's it And, and be attentive to how you're doing it yeah, and how you're doing it. It's, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I um, try to, you know, convey and guide others in it. Um, the best example is just my my parents. Um, I uh, I told you I, how I just moved back to L.A. Yes. recently. Yeah. Um, but I didn't tell you how this whole learning, I had to relearn self-care because I found myself trying to be at this age in my life where I wanted, I'm like the parent now to my parents because mm-hmm. they're getting older. Sure. I'm constantly when I take care of them, but that dynamic of the parents will always be, you will always be their, their, their kid. Right. So mm-hmm. we had this weird, it wasn't contentious. It was just like, no, let me take care of you. And they're like, no, let me take care of you right. <laughs> and we kept going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I learned at the end of the day was like, 
Christine, just, just let them. It's a gift that they're doing for you. And once I kind of let that, let accept the gift and that's part of self care is accepting help. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were a little more open to me caring for them instead of that fighting back and forth. Yeah. So it's almost like we're being too nice. Yeah. And each the both parties didn't know how to how to relate with that. Yeah. Era. You know, what do I do with this? So at the end of the day, it's it's yeah, accepting help and asking for help. And I'm still working through that. Like, you gotta help me. I have course, I go through yeah. days. I just want to do everything myself and like, why? Yeah. Why do I do this? It's we it's a weird thing that we have that we struggle with it. It seems at some level, the theory seems so baseline intuitive that if you need something, you should go after it. And if you need to tend to taking care of yourself, it seems like it would be just a natural self-preservation mechanism that we would all carry. And it's amazing how many people, myself included, struggle with it. And this kind of brings me to my next question because people, I've had people say this to me, clients of mine, and maybe you have too, but I would love to hear your thoughts. So when you initially gave your definition. You said it's that which nourishes you. When you take time, whatever it is you need to do and how you do it brings you to a place where you can fill your battery back up essentially. And I cannot tell you how many people have said, how would I know what nourishes me? Where they're just, mm. that that's before they even get to, that sounds great, but what does that mean for me? And so to give context to this question, it seems like people that are, I think more naturally intuitive and emotional and maybe slightly more on that, um, on that end of the spectrum seem to gravitate towards what does nurse them. They can identify it easier Mm -hmm. and what that person, man or woman, or, you know, anyone in between what they look, what that looks like for them is going to be different. But some people do just gravitate towards it. And there's other people who don't have a clue. And I think it's maybe cultural. Maybe it's just the people, they, the family they grew up in, they don't have the sensitivity. So if people don't have a framework to what nourishes mm. them and they, and they don't even have um, a template to plug into, how do you get them started on that process? And have you come across that problem with people? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that's usually where I start. Most people don't know, you know, like my parents are like, what does that mean? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, breathe. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like good theory, right? Good theory. But what does it mean? (laughs) What does it mean? And it it took me a long time to understand what nourishment means for me. So I, yeah, I definitely, when I'm working with others, um, the first thing is just asking them to define like, what is self care to you? What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Um, what does it mean to take care of yourself? And, and as we, you know, as I guide them through these, just, you know, inquiries, um, they start to think, you know, I, I get them to think about like what they do day to day. Does that feel nourishing? And what is, if they don't know if it does or not, then that's where I guide them through like, well, does it fill you up? You know, there's always different ways you can ask the question. Um, and sometimes when you, you ask people, well, can you feel something? They're like, no, what do you mean? I don't feel anything. <laughs> um, so yeah. you have to go around like, it depends on the person, how they communicate their, their, quote unquote feelings, even if they don't mm-hmm. feel it. Um, it's learning their language first. Yep. And then just taking them back to like real life scenario. Like, what do you do day to day? Like, you know, do you enjoy it basically? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then why, you know, and the, and it's more of like that 
assessment, that inquiry first before we take them into nourishing practices that actually work for them. Yeah. So that's where, um, that's where, that's, that's basically all the work that I do. It's not yeah. about telling them like, Hey, go do some breathing right now. Like that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. They have to really understand. Um, yeah, maybe if I give them like a restorative practice where I lay them in my props, um, so they like blankets and blocks. So they're in a comfortable position and that's usually where they're like, Oh my God, I haven't felt relaxed in so long. And that's the moment where you can start to ask like, well, is there anything in your life that makes you feel this way? And if not, like, how do we work towards that? Mm-hmm. And so the, when I tie in the yoga practices, it's, it's so many different ways and tools to get them just to, to explore, you know, yeah. does this feel good? Does this not feel good? Mm-hmm. Like you said, maybe they've never, they don't really understand. Yeah. What is that? Where's their, where they don't even have a baseline. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's it. It's just getting them to, to that point where they can start to feel the difference. Yep. And how their operating isn't sustainable and mm-hmm. what is sustainable. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. It does. Um, no, it does. And I, I, the reason I ask, like I said, people ask me that question and there's people that I feel like that have, that need more orientation in that direction. And with my own personal experience, when I first started kind of down this road, I would say by default, by, by my nature, I'm more on the emotionally intuitive artistic side. That's sort of my bent. I I, I lean more that way. And I still had to explore this topic in that way. I I needed help. I needed some guidance to have people tell me, what does that mean? You know, in real time. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's all, it's, it's sort of brought me to this larger, larger topic, which I I've talked with a number of guests on this show about, which is there's a, there's a spectrum of life that is immaterial. Our emotions, where are they? How do you quantify them? How do you put emotions into a box? The emotions you're feeling right now, mm. where are they? Are they inside you? What's to say they're not right outside your body? We, we don't really know. It's like we, we yeah. think that the skin contains these things, but I think self-care, quote unquote, is getting people into the spectrum where you're saying, well, that, that stuff that's immaterial has a lot of weight. And we live our mm-hmm. life from emotions. Our thoughts dictate how we do you know all the the subconscious stuff that we can't see that we can't grab has weight like it, it affects all of us like we're living from that place a lot of times absolutely so yeah. to to kind of reframe people's mind into that thing of saying like yeah the immaterial matters even though you can't touch it even though you can't see it even though you can't prove it mm-hmm. technically we can't prove thoughts exist we just know we have them <laughs> so right. so what are you doing uh to cultivate that immaterial thing in your life and what are you mm. doing to nourish to nourish that to take care of it and to yeah, because it matters. It does matter. And I think people sometimes need that. They need the cogwheels to be turned internally for them to to get it. It's like, yeah, this stuff, yeah. this stuff does fully matter. And the question this brings me to, because this is a question I've been asked, and I always like to bounce things off people. Yeah. People, and I felt this way for years. This was part of what kept me away from the self-care movement, in a sense, mm. was I I would feel I got confused with self-care and being self-indulgent I sort of equated them as the as two as like mm. one and the same thing where I'm just being self-indulgent like I need all of this you know care for myself and I it, part of it was how the culture was presenting it and how what I was seeing in the mainstream I'm like oh Jesus like this is this is so like squishy and just fluffy and like whatever it's a buzzword and then uh, I realized it wasn't because I was I had to find ways to do it for myself but people 
that I started to attract clients too were saying that, you know, all this self-care, they would say like all this self-care bullshit just sounds like mm. self-indulgent, just narcissism. And I, and I thought I've been there, um, but that's not the direction I take it. And I've had to reframe it for people. But if people um, come to came to you like that and said, you know, what's the difference between self-care and self-indulgence? And is there a relationship between the two? And how do you balance them so that you don't think of it like self-indulgence? Because I, I don't think yeah. they're, the, they don't, they're not the same thing, but you are tending to self on some level. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a great that it's, it's It's tricky. It's mm-hmm. very tricky. Um, I do encounter that a lot in, in myself. You know, that's when I have to check, like, well, why do I think it's self-indulgent? Um, yeah. So it's it comes back to an intention again. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your intention? Like, is your intention just is to take care of yourself or you're doing it because you feel like you need to or you should? Mm-hmm. So when it becomes that like dialogue, internal dialogue of, oh, I should be taking some time right now and um, take a break. And so I, I'm not going to do any chores right now. I just, you know, I should be doing that because that's self-care, right? Like when you start to doubt the self-care in the self-care activity, mm-hmm. that's when it's self whether self-indulgent or whatever you want to call it, that's moving away from the actual real intention of self-care. So it is a very fine balance and it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I think, I think people who are buying into the quote unquote self care, it's like taking it. You, only that person knows if they're doing it because it's like a fad. Right. It's like I see people doing yoga because they think it's cool, you know, yeah. but then of course, as they do it, they're like, Oh, actually this, I mean, I'm just, Assuming that most people, as they come back and I see them practice consistently, it's be, it, be, it becomes like a, an actual, real, authentic practice for them rather yep. than just doing because they want to tell everyone I do yoga. Right. Because usually you don't stick with it. <laughs> That's the case. It's yeah. a hard practice, you know. Um, with martial arts, too, you know, it's the same thing. It's um, yeah, it's difficult. Anything you do. So I think it goes back to like, Yes, it could start with self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's no wrong way of getting into self-care, even in the beginning, if it's just because it's a fat. Yeah. Um, or if they're just doing it because oh, their friends are doing it, so they feel like they should. Yeah. Um, but eventually, as they stick with it, it just it. No matter how they get into it, it's always going to give them that time and space to connect. Yeah. Even if it's just a minute, they're like, oh wow, this actually feels good. Like right. It starts to evolve. Yeah. So I wouldn't even say self-indulgence is bad. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's just your way in. It's yeah. like access, it's, just it's an access practice. point. Access point, yeah. right, to get in. Access point, yeah. yeah. Um, well, let me tell yeah. you, let me share this with you, and I want to hear your thoughts. So one of the things I've told people, especially guys, so when I've worked with men, and they hear self-care, they're like, "Oh God, does that mean a day at the spa?" They immediately have this connotation of. <laughs> getting a pedicure or something like they it's really funny and i'm like no bro that's not what it means like there's no set parameter but you do need to take care of yourself and one of the things i i've i tell men and and i i tell i told women too but when i've told men i've said look one of the parameters that's helpful in understanding self-care is that whatever you're doing if you're doing this thing that you're labeling as self-care but you're using it to check out and you're using it to numb yourself. I said, usually then we're not really getting into the self-care, which kind of comes back to your original point of saying you've got to uh, not run from the things you're feeling, you know, in the meditative mm-hmm. process or in your healing, you've got to sit with them. 
And so I, I think that's one of the things that's been helpful is saying like as a parameter, because if people don't know what self-care looks like, one of the guidelines, the principles I say is just don't, whatever you're doing, it shouldn't be checking you out. You may, yeah. you may fall asleep during your massage and you may zone out, but if you're going in to unwind the emotions and not to ignore them, I said, there's a difference, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an attitude almost in terms of how you're, you're looking at something. So that's point one. I want to hear your thought on. And the second prong to that is I've told people, I said, imagine your best friend, you know, and if, if you don't have a best friend, imagine that you had a best friend that you loved completely. You were so enthused about their life and you wanted nothing but the best for them. If that person exists in your life or not, imagine that person. And then if you were to do something nice for them and you were to like allow them to have a day to themselves, what would you do for that person? So I walk them through this exercise. They tell me, mm, and then I love I'm, that. yeah, and then they say, "Well, I would do this, this, and this for them, or I'd want, I would hope that they could do this." And then I would say, "Great, now become another person and look at yourself, like Roger, whoever your name is, you know, whatever your name is, mm-hmm. and say." So if you could just look at yourself from the outside, if I were to look at Gray, and I, I I project Gray over across the room here, and I look at him and I say, "Given he's my best friend, and I know what his life is like. What would I give to him? What would be the thing that I would?" encourage him so these both of these things are sort of reframing but i would love to hear your thoughts on those two parameters yeah i love that i'm gonna take i'm gonna use that too (laughs) (laughs) great add it to my toolbox great (laughs) um yeah i think there's it's ah um i'm trying to um go back to to how you were asking the question um yeah i think getting people just, it comes down to like, for me, when I, I'm seeing these, you know, people having like an image of what self-care is and mm-hmm. however they, they see it in the media or, um, in the world, it's, their definition is going to be skewed. Mm-hmm. Every definition of anything is going to be skewed. So sure. I think ultimately again, you know, having them to, even asking them like those questions that you ask them, you know, like, what would you do for your best friend? Like, even getting them to think about it yeah. is a, it's how they get into starting self-care, whatever they want to label it. And you can have them call it whatever they want, me time. Mm-hmm. Or you know, it doesn't have to be like a guy doesn't have to call it self-care. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's it. It's just getting them to frame it in their own way mm-hmm. of what that means for them um, and how that looks like to them. Yeah. And I think those questions like, well, if you did it for someone else, how would that look like? Um, and for some people, talking about it doesn't help. Yeah, so and, true. Which is why, um, you know, going back to yoga practice, like, because there's so many ways of embodying self-care, self-love, embodying that connection within, um, whether it's through the poses or through breathing, however way people gravitate and connect and res- whatever resonates with them, that's that's where I would tend to go to I just stick with those practices and at the end of the day it's once they embody that that feeling the essence of self-care even if they can't express it yeah. you know in, in words um, I'm the same way like it's sometimes hard for me to say things in words but I can feel it I can I can really sense it deeply in me mm-hmm. um, so I always go back to that at the end of the day they have to feel it in their body in some way some form some way or another um, and once they embody that whether they can tell you if it's self-care or not, 
you, you can, it's their experience. It's how they're experiencing it that you see in your like own eye. You can see like the way they, they're changing their posture, the way they're breathing, mm-hmm. the way they're talking to you a little more freely. That's when you're like, yeah. So what was that experience like? And having them carry that experience through, start to replicate that yep. through their day to day. And I think that organically, like it no longer has to be a definition of what that's like for them. It's just a feeling, an experience, because mm-hmm. that will stick with them forever. Yeah. Like having them sitting there defining what it is, us telling them what it is, it doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where like that mind body connection comes into play. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what my, my thoughts on like, you know, what yeah. you were talking about. Yeah, well, uh, I like that. Yeah. I think we talk too much in this society <laughs> as yeah. we're talking right now, but no, totally. we talk and we talk, but no. we don't, I, we don't, I, we don't no, do it. I agree. I mean, I, I cannot, it's happens, it happens a lot. It depends on who I'm working with. And I think people will say this, and I've heard this phrase when they say verbal diarrhea, where people are just, they're just dumping out whatever's inside of them. And, and and I think in the end, it's sort of a way for them to, uh, it's like administered self-administered therapy in a sense where they're just talking and they're trying to let the steam out. If the mind, if the, if the mental hamster is running, they're just trying to exhaust it. And part of how they mm. do it is they let the words fall out of their mouth, but that's taxing to, to, to give voice yeah. to the constant record in the head is, and, and I always, it comes back to that basic principle where they say, you know, your words have meaning because words are vibration. It's when things come into mm. form. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that piece too, where if you're just running your mouth, essentially, I, I agree where I'm that in Chinese medicine says this too. They say like, actually talking too much and thinking too much wipes out two organs, the spleen and the lungs. And they say, don't do it. Yeah. They're, they're like, this is not a good, this is not a winning strategy because both of those organs are used to produce what they call chi or vital energy in the body. So if you're constantly mm-hmm. talking and running the mouth, it's just, you're going to be depleting these systems. So I agree with you. I mean, that, that talking piece is huge. And that's what's so nice about the body-centered practices, whether you're doing yoga, yoga therapy, if you're doing tai chi, some kind of movement, it, mm-hmm. that it sort of digests through the movement itself and less about the thinking mind. And I think that's why people get addicted to running. I've had a, an endurance runner on. Yeah. He's like, you're, he's like the mental hamster goes to zero when you're doing something like that. When you're out prolonged mm-hmm. exercise, it's just like you're done and you're like, I'm not thinking about anything. And this is amazing. Yeah. And I don't really want to talk about it either. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. everything is wiped out. They're clear, yeah. they're clean. And it's just an amazing um it's an amazing place to be when people find right. it. They're like, Oh, I'm stoked. I'm so glad. And they're like in the zone. Yes. Like we call it when you're running, you're in the zone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like the flow states, right? They, they talk about yep. that where you're just like, Nope, I'm totally in my own little world here and I'm very happy <laughs> to be here yeah. and I would like to not leave, which is, uh, which is great. And so, you know, with, with this, like, uh, this is, this is my question to you now. If people hear this and they're like, okay, great, great theory. I have a little bit better feeling about, you know, you've explained it well. And they're, they're like, okay, I kind of get it now. And it can look like whatever I want it to look like. And, you know, if they stick to these parameters. But if people say to you, but what's the point? Like, what do I get out of this? What do I get from self-care? Because the American mind thinks like right. that. It's like, hey, hey, what's the payoff here? What's, what is actually gained from me doing this other than I might feel a little better? What would you, what would your answer be to that? And, or how would you frame that idea for people? Like, what do I get out Mm -hmm. of self-care? What's the point of doing this? 
I would just say, well, what's the point of not doing it? Like, fair enough. Yeah, that's it. Because if they're not ready to change, nothing you can do, mm-hmm. you know, or say will make you won't change. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you. It might just last for like a week, if anything. Mm-hmm. You can do, you know. So I think it is. It comes back to that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, what would happen if you don't? <laughs> Basically, that's it. Right. And if you're content with that, sure, you go keep going with where you're going. And at one point, you're going to break again. And that's just how it works, you know? Like, yep. nothing lasts forever and nothing is sustainable. Very true. Um, you're always going to have to adapt and change because we're always growing and we're aging. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to have to learn to, to be with it. And if you don't, then... Yep it's just going to be more suffering. Um, so, and, and I think once people start to just to do it, to just try it, like what's the worst that can happen if you try it? That's what I would say. Like, Mm -hmm. well, you feel good. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You know, you, you get that experience and then, and then maybe it'll, it'll take you somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, but you, it, you'll never know unless you try it. Um, yeah, no, well said. I mean, it's, that's, you're absolutely right because I think that's, that is the missing link. And it's a good way to ask the question from the other side. It's like, well, what, yeah, what's going to happen if you don't, I mean, yeah, you could ask the question from both sides and both are equally relevant, but it is a framing Mm -hmm. question and it is a context and perspective question. Like what are we, which kind of goes back to this whole intention thing. Like, right. Where are you asking? What's, what's your intention behind the question? Is that just apathy at the core or are you actually searching and fishing to make things better? Are you, um, are you familiar with, um, Carl Jung, the great psychologist who was like, he was the, he was like the collective unconscious mm-hmm. guy. He and Freud were like the two big con- contending yeah. guys. They were friends and then no, no longer friends. He had this really interesting thought about his whole thing was the, why we dream in symbols is because there's this collective unconscious web that we all plug into. This is why, cause he was noticing there's a point to this. So the, his clients would all dream about sinking ships, say, and all of them had um, lost someone like a, like a matriarch or a patriarch in the family. And he was like, why are all of my clients dreaming about these huge sinking boats when they have like this death? So he kind of plugged into this idea, but he had this really cool thought about the self. And he said, so if we are not willing to take care of the self, he says, what happens is it's sort of like a vortex and it sinks and implodes and we have this deficiency. It's like a hole that can't be filled. If we're unwilling mm. to, to fill up the self, get to know ourselves, take care of ourselves, be mindful of what we're doing with our thought and action. He said, there's like this vortex that just sinks into the earth. If you get to this place and you can tend to the self and you can actually get the self to a baseline, you're, you're kind of like even Steven, right? You're at a baseline. You're not leaking anymore, but you're at a neutral plateau. He said, and what's above that, right? If you reverse the vortex up and open, what goes into that, he said, is this larger idea that if you take care of yourself, you put yourself into a state of surplus and then you're aware, you become aware of how your actions, your words are actually affecting everyone around you. He said, so then your contribution and your orientation to the world sort of comes from a place of not me, 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 and I lack, I lack, I lack, and why why give in? He said, now you're saying... So what am I doing and how am I affecting the people around me also? There's this place, but he says, you can't get there yeah. until you've filled the container to baseline, which is this, right. idea, this idea of self-care. Are you tending to self first? And once you're there, then you have this larger framework about how you impact the world, how you impact the people around you. And I always yeah. thought that's a way cooler invitation to kind of get to mm-hmm. 
then, um, cause we can all get stuck on like, why do I need anything? Right. And they're just like, yeah. they're just sucking energy in. And it's like, yeah, right. yeah. But like, think about what would be, if you could get past that, you know, like if you could just get right. past like, yeah, as opposed to like, what do I just need? Mm-hmm. What's, what's beyond that range. And I always thought that was a cool way to kind of look at it. It gives a context, um, uh, again, kind of reframing the idea. Like, how do you think this to get people to buy in? Cause sometimes they don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's actually when we, even before this, uh, for this call, we were talking about, um, or I was talking about how I'm doing more collective healing. Yes. So the self care, sometimes you think of it again, it's just me, me, me. I'm just going to do it by myself or maybe right. you do it with a friend. Sure. But as I, as I'm, as the years went by with me doing this practice, like what I found most helpful is having a sangha or a community mm-hmm. of people who are doing the practices and are supporting each other, whether it's, it doesn't have to be yoga. It could be anything to just be coming together, um, in a group of, of friends and you're just there to, to talk and you're there to share. Um, so it's almost like an official group therapy, but it's not, it's not really therapy. You're just there enjoying yeah. your time with each other. Yep. And it organically happens where you're sharing and you're, you're doing the healing by just being there with each other, holding that space. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, as I'm doing this just in my own life with my friends, my community, um, and, you know, coming here now, moving to LA, I, I see that like a lot of people are craving that people want community. Yeah, they, they, they want to be a part of something to, to have that support, not just for themselves, but they, they want to share that with, you know, they want to support other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when I've been, you know, I just started this new, um, women's gathering and it's just a healing group, um, where we're doing some, yeah, I show them some yoga, I do some Reiki energy healing, but at the end of the day, I don't do much. I just give them the space so they can, they have so much wisdom to share already. Like, I'm like, you guys can leave this. I don't need to be here. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, but that, that's it. It's like going back to your, what -hmm. you were saying, like it eventually becomes like less about, I'm doing this for me, me, me. Like when you're in a collective yeah. a setting, like you see like it's beyond that. It's beyond than just yeah. your, your small self. Yes. Um, and you see the power of like when you really take care of yourself and when you're, if you're constantly still trying to take care of yourself to take care of other people, fine, yeah. I'll put you in this group. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Go, go do your thing, and right? Just, yeah, and it becomes a balance and you start to yep. see like, I see it unfolding how people just start to notice like, oh, I'm not being selfish because when I'm taking care of myself, I'm actually able to support this person sitting right next to me that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it has to be, maybe we need to rephrase it or whatever. Instead of saying self care, it's, it's beyond the self really. Yeah. Like you, like you said, it, it opens up to more. Um, yeah. And I think that's yeah. a, that's like a worthy topic, right. To, to, to get people to, to think of it like that. I think it, it does matter. And I think it gives them context to this, this whole thing. And, you know, just to, to, to reflect what you just said, you know, I have this ongoing joke and I used to talk about this with Paul Robison all the time. Mm-hmm. We, I had this conversation with him where I said, there's a relationship between healing and partying. And he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hear me out. <laughs> like really like throwing a good party. And I said, I said like the recipe for a good party is not controlling it too much. I said, you need to set the stage, right? You need to set the container. Mm-hmm. I said, part of that is like good quality live music. That's not too loud. I said, like, the environment needs to look nice. There needs to be areas where people can, like, lounge and be comfortable. And there should be some kind of, like, 
tasty either foods or beverage, right? I said, and set the stage. I said, but when you get there, I said, if you try to get people to do games or you've got it too contrived and too controlled, there's no flow. There's no, there's no, the party gets kind of like, oh, we got to go do this thing as opposed to letting me just plug into the environment, right? Plug into the communal space. And Mm. we we talked about this and I said, that's exactly how, it's like what you're talking about, getting people together in a community. You're not doing that much. You're sort of setting the container and saying like, here's the thing that you guys can explore, but I'm going to be to a degree I'm kind of just loosely hosting, you know, I'm sort of, yeah, I'm yeah, here. Yeah. And I thought like, that's yeah. always been sort of the relationship for me. And I think that's a, a really good point is that you, if you try to control it too much for people, they don't get to have their experience with it. They don't get to feel what's happening inside of them. If you are gripping that too tight, right. I'm the facilitator. I'm in control. It's right. like, yes and no. Yeah. And, and that's, it comes to intention. Like, are yep. you just doing it because you want to, look good or you just have so much to share and as a facilitator you want to just get it all out right no like at the end of the day it's you're empowering the individuals to create their own self-care mm-hmm. so it's not you dictating what it is yep or even if it's not self-care it could be another topic mm-hmm. um, whatever you choose um, that would help the community so yeah I think I always um, remind myself like if you want people to make those changes that will help them in their life it has to feel empowering yeah. however way that looks like to them um and thankfully in this field that i'm in in yoga like that's what it is yeah the practice innately itself is you gotta do it yourself there's right. nobody to do it for you right right and you're yeah. and you're in a, com- a community while you're doing it yoga is almost always done in a group setting and i think when there's mm-hmm. physical uh conflict right when your body is not doing what you want it to do but when you see other people in the room who are also struggling it's not quite as bad and I think it gives you something to reflect off of and to uh, reciprocate and feel into when I was in my undergrad my undergrad was uh, I I triple majored in sculpture ceramics and drawing and I was after I got all my GE done there was about I was in college six years because I switched my major a couple times my dad died my freshman year Mm -hmm. that slowed some things down and then I went from a music major to an acting major back to like what I was naturally good at, which is like drawing and the fine arts. So when I got into that, there was this period though, the last two, two and a half years of college after GE was done, all I did was make art. And it was this amazing window that I knew I was like, this is Mm. not going to happen again where I don't really have to work. And I, you know what I mean? I'm like, just (laughs) all I have to do is martial arts and create art. It was amazing. It was like the best time of my (laughs) life. But when I was creating all of this art, sculpting, you know, I was doing metal casting, welding, woodwork, um, design work, painting, all of it. And my only job was to do that. And when I was making all of this stuff, you know, whether it was clay or metal, the thing I remember about this was that there was, it's when you're in school and you're, you've dived into a topic, there's a community, there were a community of artists. And I thought, mm-hmm. how often do you get to be around, give or take, 50 to 100 artists doing the same thing? And as I would create art, people would be like, holy shit, Gray, like, how did you come up with that? And I would think the same thing about their art. I thought, how? Mm-hmm. I was like, I would have never in a million years gone that direction. But now you've just made me totally like reorient to like, yeah. what the hell I'm doing. And I think that parallel is very similar in the healing arts, right? The healing fields. Mm-hmm. Because if you do it in a community like this, and you've got people who are going through something similar, and we're all painting our journey a little differently. Like, this is what I have to do, mm-hmm. right, for, for self-care. This is what I have found. That community alone, just to um, see other people's viewpoint, gives you that creative 
spark too, where you're not just, yeah, absolutely. it's not just a passive experience. Like I'm going to this class, you start to see that people are actively pursuing their healing process differently than you. It's not exactly mm-hmm. the same. And I think when you get, that's the beauty of community is you get that, yeah. that link up where you're like, holy shit, everyone's doing it a little bit different and right. it's inspiring and it's also creative. It gives you a different yeah, kind of absolutely. perspective on it. And I think like, you know, like, like I say, like, you know, in, in the yoga practice, for example, you, you do, you realize like you have to do yourself, right? Yeah. But you don't have to do it by yourself. Yes. And I do this in the, every morning. Like that's my, I have a practice I do and it looks different all the time. Sometimes it's like two minutes. Sometimes it's yeah. an hour if I'm lucky, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> um, but no matter what, I still go to, I still consistently, consistently at least go to class a few times a week because it's that collective, that, that, feeling and that community that I get from being in a large group that's doing the same practice, but in their own individual way. And every time I'm either in a class practicing or I'm teaching, everyone needs the same thing, but it looks differently. It's very interesting, right? It's just the collective consciousness. And, you know, it could be as simple as, oh, teacher will ask like, oh, what's that, you know, anyone has any requests? And usually they'll say something physical, like, oh, I have a neck. Can we work on the next stuff? Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, next up. You know, it's just, yeah. And then, you know, it's like, oh, interesting, huh? Yeah. You know? um, yeah, for sure. But even beyond that, it's, it is, it's, it, it keeps you going too. It yeah. reminds you, it keeps, holds you accountable. Um, and it's just nice, right? To be with people that understand, and they can be complete strangers, but it reminds us, like, look, it can be someone walking down the street, and you might be like, hey, I don't know this person, but as soon as you, like, maybe have, like, a quick hello, like, you're like, oh, this is a real person. Yeah. And to me, like, that's the power of of being in a community, whether you're practicing yoga, martial arts, whatever it is, yep. is taking that 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 experience beyond the classroom and starting to be able to relate to people knowing that they're just like me. Like, and that's what we're, I think now, you know, today's where like, it's so hard for people to acknowledge each other. And it, sometimes I feel sad about it. And I'm like, you know what? That's why I keep doing what I'm doing. It's, it's yeah. It makes yeah. people, people feel good, healthier life, all this good stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's a human connection. That's so important. That's missing a lot. Yep. Um, that, you know, I hope like that can, I can foster that in some way through the classroom and then having that relay outside and it helps me. It puts me in check. I'm like, why am I being so, you know, cold to people when I'm walking down the street? I can just say hi. Like, you yeah. know, she's standing, that person standing next to me about to cross the street and it's just weird, you know? Yeah. We, we, we get out of our, our own like space and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to be very like, have my own personal bubble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's very it's, yeah. it's very true and, and and I think personally you know this is kind of a side tangent and a side talking point but I feel like technology has really driven that divide more I feel like technology in general has made us less apt to just strike up a conversation with a stranger or to smile the little things not even getting into a conversation but just the little hellos the eye contact the 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 smile from a complete stranger that's in passing I think people are just heavily, we're so much more distracted. We're way more distracted now. There's a, there's a lot more, I mean, go to a restaurant or wait in line. Like what's mo- most people are looking down, you know, they're not like their yeah. radar is not up and plugged into people. It's plugged into devices. And I think that's been kind of a, 
you know, part of my platform when I'm working with people is what I call technology fasting. And the last episode, I think last Mm -hmm. week was around that very thing. It's like, how do you, how do you mitigate that? And it's not the only reason, right? It's not the only thing that's, that's causing us to be disconnected. I think there's lots of things, but technology seems to have a pretty sizable hand. Well, Christine, this kind of brings me back to kind of like the last thread of this. And, you know, when you're talking about um, the stuff you're doing with community, you had talked about, you know, just kind of taking this this whole scene into like the workshop uh, scene and, and trying to implement this stuff in a community style setting. So what are thus far as you've been doing it and, you know, what's your intent behind this? What are you seeing in terms of creating workshops that facilitate this kind of thing? Have you seen... Yeah, like what have you seen in people that are doing it when they when they get into a community setting? Are you seeing, um, you know, a different kind of shift? Is it helping people to engage the process more fully or more dynamically by doing so? Um, yes, and it's yes, I do see it, and then sometimes I don't see it because mm-hmm. oftentimes some people um, take time out of the day to come in a workshop because it's usually longer time, like two to three hours. Mm-hmm. And, and that's their one experience for oh, maybe the whole year yeah. that they get, right? Mm-hmm. But thankfully, I do have friends that um, are colleagues, old work colleagues that have come to my workshops. And every time they come back, they tell me, I took that one thing that you told me to, or not that I told them, that one thing that came out from the workshop, yeah. the one self-guide, I always have them um, walk away with one intention and one actionable thing they can do for their self-care. Mm-hmm. And it's, they've come back to me and said like, you know, that's the one thing I did and that's why I'm back again. So I can keep reminding myself and gaining some more experience on, on how it is to serve my self care and how it is to serve myself. So I've seen those, those are where like more obvious, more like, Oh yeah, those, those had an impact. Um, and for others that who, who may not return or who may just be going to different types of workshops, I think, no matter what, they're walking away with something because even showing up and carving out that time, yeah. that in itself is that experience of what self-care is. Yeah. And whether they apply it differently in their day-to-day, maybe they just take that five minutes each day now. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, this is how it feels when I like can just leave my phone behind and leave my emails and like yep. that's what it is. So yep. it's it's I've seen the impact where they can replicate it mm-hmm. in in whatever way it is in their lifestyle. Um, and at the end of the day, it's an intentional time they put in. Um, and oftentimes the students that come to these workshops, that's always their first thing. It's like, Oh yeah, I really had to like put everything aside to come here. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad I did it because I never do it. It's like, yeah. because I have to, I, I schedule it and that's it. I'm showing mm-hmm. up. Um, so in that itself, it's like whether it's just a one-time workshop or a series, I do do series, and you have some repeats and sometimes you don't. Yeah. But I know every time whatever comes up from that that two-hour window or three-hour window, they're making some kind of connection either with themselves or with each other just by what they're sharing. Um, I always have a share at the end of the workshop. Yeah. Um, and then I do follow up them and sometimes I'll get feedback about how it's impacted them. Mm-hmm. So. I think however way, like I think with what me creating these type of workshops, again, it's just holding space. Yep. Um, so it could be on, on any variety of topics, mm-hmm. whether it's just focus on self-care or something else related to health. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever people are walking away with. And then 
they usually give me feedback on like what they want to learn more. And that's how I start to shape other workshops around that. Yeah. So subtopics of self-care because self-care is so broad, you know, it is broad. Um, it is broad for sure. Um, so at the end of the day, it caters the workshops that I'm creating caters to what the people actually need, not me thinking like, Oh, maybe they need to learn more practices for self-care. No, it's, it's usually like, how do I find the balance of, me saying no to something so that I can right. serve myself. And when when is a time where I can't give myself time, but I know I will later? You know, those kind of very fine, yeah. detail, subtle things that we work on. Yeah. And what I liked about what you said was it, it, it sort of ties back to what you originally said, where you had your first experience with your the yoga teacher and you knew something was going on inside of you that was beyond the physical, but you didn't understand it. You didn't fully get it. But you were there, and the experience made sense later. And I think that's relevant in this kind of thing, too, when people are doing group settings and we're doing, you know, you're doing workshops and you're facilitating these kinds of things for people because some people, like you said, maybe it's their first exposure, maybe they never get to do it. And even if people are walking through the motions, I feel like it can still leave a mark on someone. Whatever they just partook in mm-hmm. can still leave sort of a subliminal mark that will deliver later it's like planting a seed right it it, it sprouts six months later yeah and it sort of puts you into that context like yeah there was something there and it it kind of brings me back to um working out for me some days it's not a great workout some days i'm just walk i'm going through the motions i'm just there Mm -hmm. people are like well aren't you just going through the motions i'm like that's exactly what it was it was kind of a shitty workout but i went through it (laughs) i went through the motions and invariably even if i think it was terrible by the end i'm like i did get something out of that even if it's not perfect right and even if i don't Mm -hmm. really want to be there or even get it i think it's uh like these kind of analogies are relevant for for this kind of work too people just going like just being exposed can still be um, really beneficial and just going through the motions can be can be um, medicinal. There's something that can still right. be, still be gleaned from from just going through the motions and showing up. And I think that's true with a lot of things in life, not just, uh, you know, workshops. I think it's true with right. most things. You got to go through the motions sometimes. You just got to put one and foot in front of the other. Yeah. And it's building muscle memory, yep. essentially. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, these whatever special classes, workshops that either I or other teachers I've seen do it, um, you can be very creative, right, in, mm-hmm. in creating these workshops because it's going to look different for every group, every community you're in. And I'm still learning because I'm new to this area. Sure. Um, but what I find that no matter, you know, of course my work is around self-care workshops, but it's whether it's in the East Coast or the West Coast, Everyone needs the self-care, mm-hmm. but it looks differently in how they're approaching it. Yeah. So for here, it may be more like, you know, a little more, um, sometimes people will find it more like a surface level, like you said, like going to the spa, getting your pedicure, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the East Coast, it's like they they think it's like, okay, I, I just won't look at my phone for an hour because they're <laughs> obsessed with their pr- profession, their work in the East Coast, right, you know? Right, Um. And it's funny, but no matter how it looks like the, at the end of the day, they just need that time, yeah. you know, and, and that's what I, I want people to walk away with, uh, whether it's a workshop or classes, just like, this is your time, mm-hmm. take advantage of it. Yeah. And then, and then use that time as a reminder for you to continue that when you leave mm-hmm. this class, when you leave this workshop, um, no matter what you do, however way it looks like. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I love it, Christine. And if people want to 
in sort of closing, if people want to like follow you or see what you're doing or check out, you know, just keep, keep an eye on you, where can people mm-hmm. find you? What, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can go to my website called givingearthhealing.com. It's Giving Earth Healing Arts is the full name. Okay. Um, but the website is givingearthhealing.com. Um, and they also, I'm on Facebook under Giving Earth Healing. And uh, they can also email me, Christine at Giving Earth. Um, sorry, Christine at Giving Earth Healing.com. <laughs> a very long name. <laughs> I know, I'm thinking about changing it. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's uh, one way to contact me. Um, and I usually post uh, workshops and things like that. And um, I do private sessions too. So if they want to contact me, if anyone wants to contact me to do that, that's perfect. That's there. Very yeah. cool. Thank well, you so much, Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I was, you know, I appreciate my guests when they take time out of their day to, to do this. So I really appreciate it and I appreciate the work you're doing. So yeah, keep it up and, um, yeah, keep doing the good work. Yeah. Thank you. This is my first podcast. So. Oh, thanks. cool. How was, how was it? <laughs> It was good. It was nice. It was just having a conversation with a friend. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not too so, bad, right? Yes. A lot of people are freaked out like when they, if it's their first time, they're like, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm like, we're just talking. You know, it's not, it's not, hopefully it's not too stressful for people. So it's good to hear that it wasn't so, for you. It's fun. And I learned a lot just like talking to you about, you know, what you do and how you share your work. Cool. So it's really cool. Well, I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed the conversation and um, thanks so much, Christine. Thank you, Gray. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.